That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, can you stand it, Aaron? We've almost made it once again through a lectionary year. We're getting close to the end. Yeah, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. is coming, and then Christ the King Sunday, obviously being the last Sunday of the church year. And then mm-hmm. we begin again with Advent 1. We start it all over again. Another journey. Back to Galilee. So, Through the yeah. Bible with J. Vernon McGee, or really Aaron Zimmerman <laughs> and Jacob Smith. Uh, Who are Jake, much cooler. <laughs> well, I don't know. He's, his accent's pretty cool. No, he's pretty good. Yeah. Hi, how are you doing, Jacob? Well, I'm doing well, and it's good to be here with you. And so, um, you know, just, uh, yeah, doing all right, you know? <laughs> it's like we're like a month earlier, so, but anyway, I'm feeling I know, good. but when we actually listen to this, or when you're listening to this, gentle gentle listener, you'll be uh, getting an Advent wreath ready, maybe. Mm. You'll be, uh, again, drinking many peppermint lattes. It'll be that mm-hmm. time of year where it's, it's beginning to get pretty year. stressful. Uh, if you're a priest and you do a fall stewardship campaign, now you know how that went or didn't go, um, and you've got you're looking forward to next year. Stewardship, uh, designed by God to keep clergy on their knees. <laughs> That's right. And there's my chair. So anyway, um, yeah. So uh, well, I mean, yeah, we're coming to the end of the year, and uh, but the readings, and so as we're moving to the end of the year. Uh, the readings become a little more apocalyptic, especially as we make our way to Christ the King Sunday, which will be the next week, and then into the season of Advent. And um, Advent's an amazing time. And um, so, but our readings today are from uh, kind of re- revolve around the idea of judgment. And um, um, and so we have Malachi or Malachi, as they say, chapter four, verses one through two a, the Italian prophet. And then we have Second uh, Thessalonians chapter three verses six through thirteen, and then uh, Luke twenty one verses five through nineteen. Uh, Malachi Malachi always makes me think of Michelada. Those you know, in, when in oh, Mexico you God. get a beer with like lime juice in it and the, the delicious so much spices. so much more than just lime juice. So, and uh, it depends on where you go. Sauce, yeah. All kinds of things. They're called micheladas. Yep. That's right. And in, in northern Mexico, they tend to be more uh, Bloody Mary-ish, you know, and uh, tend to have, um, yeah, the um, Clamato yeah. and to be kind of straightforward, more of a, a savory drink. You but know, if you ever go to... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Well, you, well if you ever go to like Mexico City... Um, a michelada becomes like a work of art, mm. and uh, it is these things, and they are—they usually come in these huge, like thirty-two ounce cups. They've been dipped in like tamarindo yeah. and like all sorts of chili pepper. I've even seen like ones with gummies on it, like you know those uh, spicy gummies <laughs> with the giant tamarindo straw coming out of it. And it basically uh, has nothing to do with beer and clamato juice anymore. All those those things are in it. Somewhere. It's become this like gargantuan like syrup. It's like a uh, garden that, um, planter, like a fern growing out of it. 
One of the things I feel like Jake just mentioning Michelada in your response, I feel like that mosquito in the Far Side cartoon, which it's like he's standing next to his buddy on the guy's arm, and the one mosquito's like got his his uh, you know needle nose in the guy, and he's he's like swelling up so hugely he's about to explode, and the other mosquito's going like Frank, Frank, pull out! You've hit an artery! You've hit an artery! Like just I just said Michelada, and you were like, <gasps> let me talk about this! I'm so excited! I love it. But Micheladas, I love Micheladas. But anyway, there's that's whole, not what we're here to talk a whole, about. There's a whole, there's a whole show on Netflix um, uh, uh, on Mexican snacks, mm. um, and uh, it is uh, dedicated. They have an episode dedicated to the Michelada. And so, what a lot of people don't know about I, Jacob Smith is that he majored in like Latin American studies and knows more about Mexican history than almost anybody I know, including me. Well. You know, I did grow up eight miles from the border. Yep. So, but um, I love a, a northern Michel. I prefer northern Mexican to anything else. But anyway. All right. Is. But you're not here for that. You're here for Malachi. Mm-hmm. And this is two verses, but man, they pack a punch. The day is coming, burning like an oven. All oh, the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. I don't you know bet. why. I'm reading that Watch in accent. Out. But anyways, yeah. But then there is this thing at the end. You, as for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. So this is just a very clear verse one is judgment. Verse two says there is some grace coming. The Son of Righteousness shall rise uh, with healing in its wings. And as <clears throat> Christians have come to interpret this passage, as we see all the scriptures pointing to Christ, this Son of Righteousness is Jesus. With healing yeah. in his wings. So, if if that, you just if you yeah. just have four one through two a, and that's all you talk. I mean, it is a bit confused. Like, what do you mean? You know, I mean, this is a, yeah, this is a harsh word of judgment, and um, and uh, indeed uh, that shall burn them up. You know, and fire is always a sign of judgment, um, and uh, and uh, this. So that uh, we'll leave them uh, neither root nor branch. Now, what's very important is the rest of chapter four. It's a, it's a short chapter, but it goes on and it says at the very end, verses five and six, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their father, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction." And so ultimately, you know, Malachi's message right here is very similar to uh, the second Elijah who came as the forerunner to the Messiah. Mm. That second Elijah was a man by the name of John the Baptist, and his message was very, uh, very similar. The day is coming uh, when he's going to strike the axe. The winnowing fork is going to like, you know, is going to throw up the wheat and the things are going to burn. The chaff is going to burn and he's going to strike, uh, strike uh, the, the tree with the axe right at the root. And uh, but what John the Baptist didn't realize, and what uh, and John the Baptist pointed, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But that's what this ultimately points to: is is that uh, there is one in whom for us, um, uh, who became the arrogant and the evil doer, you know, and uh, was uh, w- took on the fire of God's judgment for us, so that indeed in Him. As you pointed out, uh, the uh, the Son of Righteousness shall arise. But I think if you're going to really preach this, you've got to preach on all of chapter 4 and mm. really point to that second Elijah, uh, John the Baptist standing in the Jordan. Yep, and I would say, by the way, that you know we hear judgment as being this very, well, judgy thing, but there is a sense in which, if you want to talk about it in this passage, that it is really, the judgment of God is good because, one, it is fair. When we judge, we're judgmental. 
We judge mm. things that we don't like in other people because we want to feel superior to ourselves. We're often very um, unbalanced in the way we apply judgment. We'll let our friends get away with stuff that we would criticize in other people. We don't see all the evidence. We don't see what's actually going on in people's hearts. So God's judgment, unlike human judgment, is fair and right. And the other good thing about the idea of God's judgment is that it removes evil in the world. And we have all seen terrible evil in the world, even in our own lives. And if you're somebody who cares about justice, if you're somebody who thinks that um, the world should be a place that is fair, where people don't get taken advantage of, where people don't lie to you, where um, people treat you kindly as opposed to harshly, that means you're somebody who cares about justice. And that is from God. And um, one of the things that makes the cross so beautiful and important is that it is God showing that he also cares about justice and in his mm. own person as the incarnate Christ, he takes the judgment of the world. And um, he's not a God that's like, oh, sin doesn't matter. It's cool to take advantage of people who are uh, um, poor or who are weak or who are small. Oh, it's cool to lie. It's cool to betray. No, God cares deeply. And so, um, but ultimately this judgment that Malachi talks about burns up um, Christ, who willingly submits himself to it. And then he can, the Son of Righteousness, rise with healing in his wings in the resurrection. So that's something else you can talk about. Again, two verses, but there's a lot there. Um, now we turn to Second Thessalonians. We're continuing in this uh, letter, and um, Paul is now getting into it. And he's talking, again, this, you know, if Malachi is about judgment, now Thessalonians is going to be about judgment too, and it's about uh, how you gotta work you gotta not be idle no more gotta work 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 work. that's right no playing <laughs> halo or whatever all day long no call of duty no Fortnite all day long uh no just scrolling through social media all night you gotta you gotta do some things to work you know and paul don't be right idle. here does the paul does right here uh kind of one of the um the biggest preaching mistakes ever hmm <laughs> He makes himself out to be the hero, mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and so he's me, like, "We were not me. idle. Look at me! Look at me! Look at me!" But uh, you know, but if anybody could say that, I think about Paul. Saint Paul could. Um, yeah, this is a this is a harsh text. This is um, all law, and indeed, idleness is a sin. And uh, and um, and you know, uh, just kind of sitting around and being sloth is sin, and that's because you've been created in the image of God and been created, each and every one of us, uh, 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 for a purpose. Um, and so, but the way you need to, if you preach this passage, the way you need to do it is, is that what Paul is doing here is driving us to, um, to a second word, and that's the gospel. And that's where you preach on the forgiveness of sins. And that God is the God who forgives all of us who've been idle. God is the God who forgives all of us who, you know, kind of, you know, been on a free ride. And so, or uh, let's just say a cheap ride. Um, but um, the good news of the gospel is that he puts us on that free ride, uh, which is um, uh, Jesus. And uh, and this is the transformative word to, uh, to carry on and to persevere and uh, not be weary in doing what is right. The other thing, too, is you never want to interpret a passage of Scripture out of context or out of relationship and conversation right. with other passages of Scripture. So let's remember that Jesus Christ, when the people had been listening to him, 
all day long and forgot to bring bread, he made enough food to feed 5,000, not including women and children. And he did it again and again. And those people were listening to him, were not working. And so anyone unwilling to work should not eat. Like if Jesus followed that extremely literalistically, there would be no feeding of the 5,000 or feeding of the 4,000. In the book of Acts, we realize that there was a daily feeding of widows. There was like a cafeteria and people would make food and bring it and they distribute it. And uh, it was just a daily practice because there was no social security. There were no food stamps. If you were poor and you were a widow, you really had no way to support yourself. And um, so the Christian community supported people who had no way to pay for anything, who did not work in order to earn their keep. So let's, you know, keep that in mind. What he's talking about here are able-bodied people that absolutely could go that out are there taking and get advantage. a job. And they're taking advantage of poor people. They're like, mm -hmm. basically it's like- I'm gonna we, read this to my teenage kids. <laughs> if, if we have a, if a, a daily time of feeding the widows that are part of our community, if you're a 22 year old person, don't come and eat their meal we made it for them and you know so there's also something uh beautiful and good in um, vocation and work and so this is paul saying this and you know this is a description of the christian life do your work quietly and earn your own living and there's something humble about it there's something beautiful about it this is how christ himself worked in his own career as a as a workman carpenter and and builder um, and so this is Paul freeing the hearer or the person who needs to hear this, freeing them from the uh, wasted life. It, there's, there's mercy always in some judgment because if you reach the end of your life never having really done anything valuable, there's an immense sense of regret that comes along there. So, so this is the law. It is good and true as Jake said, mm -hmm. but preaching it can't always make it happen, doesn't make it happen. So make yeah. sure you also tell them that they are forgiven in Christ. And that, as we know, shame and judgment doesn't produce what it demands. So That's uh, right. make sure you let them know that they're loved and, and can begin giving, doing, doing whatever God has given them to do, that little thing, not to earn his love, but because they are already loved. So, so, and then we come to the gospel and uh, Luke 21, verses 5 through 19, uh, a very, uh, very powerful apocalyptic text. Yeah, so all the stones are going to be thrown down. They're talking about how beautiful the temple is and it's all going to fall down. Now, St. Albans Waco is a much newer building than Calvary St. George's. And I can tell you, Calvary St. George's, you can relate to this, Jake. The uh, Not sure a stone can. will be left on top. It'll all be tumbling <laughs> down. you got to fix your roof and uh, repoint your masonry and all those sorts of things going on. So so Jake, yeah. Jake can feel this passage in his bones. Um, but... Uh, this is uh, a conversation that the disciples think they're asking about how, you know, isn't the temple beautiful or whatever. And Jesus then takes it from that kind of current event conversation to this very big conversation that is about two things at the same time. It is about the destruction of the temple, um, which will take place in 70 AD. Um, it's also kind of looking forward a, uh, apocalyptically to the end of all things and so there's a lot going on in terms of how you preach this today um, if I were going to preach it and I probably will uh, there's something here about how Jesus prepares people for really bad things happening and what he says to them is not you know build a bunker 
and um, make sure you take care of yourself. Uh, he says basically to trust in me um, and uh, make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. This is the opposite of building a bunker. Uh, this is the opposite of stockpiling uh, cans of beans. He's saying, trust in me and um, and keep that bigger picture, that bigger cosmic picture. Not a hair of your head will perish, even if you die, um, because you are in Christ. And this connects back to that All Saints thinking from last week of just the, the eternal heavenly home we have with the risen Christ. So, Anyway, it's not what the disciples were expecting when they were just admiring the architecture of the temple, but this is where Jesus goes to, you know, um, the, the big things. He knows that the temple is just a copy and a temporary one of, of our permanent home. And so he says, when the bad things happen, it's supposed to happen, don't worry, and know that I will take mm. care of you ultimately. Anything you would add to that, Jake, or, or deepen yeah, or enrich? I mean, sure. Uh, um a couple of things I would say first you know there there they are they're walking and uh, and uh, the temple for the disciples the temple for Jews uh, was the center of everything it was the center of their religious life the center of their social life it represented on one level their identity and uh, and one of the things that Jesus is saying here, and this is very hard for, for modern like Americans to hear today, who are so wrapped up in their identity, that uh, indeed um, there's coming a time when, uh, so this temple's coming to an end, and that would have been shocking to those disciples, but whatever your temple is as well, mm -hmm. whatever you're taking stock in, whatever you're holding on to this age, it will be torn down. What's that great colic? You know, you, uh, those things that have been built up, bringing down those things that have been built up and raising those things that um, have been torn down. Mm -hmm. Whatever the temple is in your life, whatever you're clinging to is your identity. Um, it will be destroyed. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is just a fact. And uh, that is shocking for people to hear. Um, the uh, other thing, though, is that um, uh, what he says is... Um, he says um, that Christians won't escape uh, this, you know, and he says, but you will be hated because, but not uh, hair on your head, by your endurance, you will gain your soul. Now, what does that mean? Like grit in your teeth or anything like that? No. What it means is that you're not going to escape this ultimate judgment, mm. but rather instead, um, when, 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 the, when the tough get going, the tough don't go shopping, but the tough uh, know that Jesus will see them through it and to supply them with words and wisdom for their witness in the midst of this uh, suffering. And so that's like ultimately the hidden comfort in this very, very intense apocalyptic passage that deals with things at the end of time and deals with things in their current context. But he says, by the endurance of faith, you will gain your lives. And what that means is, is that Jesus has given you all that you need to see you through the end of the world. And uh, like R.E.M. saying, you can still feel fine. Mm -hmm. And that is the unconditional promise of the gospel, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in Jesus, even though they die, and whoever lives and believes in him will not die forever. And so this is really, uh, I think, the thing, the nugget you want to get across in this apocalyptic passage is that as you go through this life and your temples are torn down, uh, remember Christ is coming soon. But until then, uh, he's given you signs and promises. 
we saw that movie. I don't know if you saw that movie a long time ago, but Harriet Tubman, the movie uh, Tubman about Harriet yeah. Tubman. And, you know, it was amazing when she would go, uh, her father, he stayed behind and he gave her like uh, just little signs and promises on the road to encourage her in what she was doing. And uh, and like this, Jesus has given us all as we're going through this life and temples are being torn down and things are falling apart. He's given us signs and promises, you know, water, bread and wine, the words that we preach, wonderful communities like St. Albans and Calvary St. George's or wherever you go to church. Uh, for you to cling on to the fact that, as Jesus says, raise your head and look up for your redemption is near. Uh, and uh, your redemption is near because Jesus is here and uh, and uh, he's with you. And uh, that sight is glorious because um, uh, when he tears down, he never leaves you there. He always builds you back up into something brand new and something glorious. Yeah, I love what you said about kind of the end of your identity and whatever you're building and what you think your identity is. And he does it at the end, too. Like... You'll be betrayed by even parents and brothers, relatives and friends. Like, mm-hmm. really, it just comes back to this Christian idea of these things that you think define you, most of them actually don't. And That's right. What does define you is that you are beloved by God in Christ, and um, uh, which is not a popular message always because we'd much rather be identified. <laughs> is that it? Yeah, I know. Is that it? But man, and, and again, just this like, don't don't make up your minds. I mean, make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. Like actually rest and trust in him. This is so un-American where we believe in working really hard to prove ourselves. Yeah. Um, and, um, but again, this is the, as you always say, the flip-flop nature of the gospel where we, we rest in him and him alone, which we don't even do that too well, but thank God <laughs> Jesus yeah. died for us and rose again. Don't imitate me. That's right. Just ask my wife. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I mean, I'm an anxious mess trying to keep my temple together. Um, and, um, uh, but, you know, in those moments when I know that he's with me and that he's for me and I experience him as presence uh, in, in those signs that he's left us, the gifts that he's given his church, um, well, um, it makes letting go a little easier. Yeah, and by the way, there is a little thing here. Anybody that says they know when the end of the world is coming, don't listen to them because Jesus says that yeah. they don't know what they're talking about. So, mm. with that, we are now done with the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, and Thanksgiving is coming. Uh, and so take your turkey out of the freezer because that thing will take like two weeks to thaw. And mm. uh Make sure you go buy your pumpkin pie filling now because it's going to sell out. That's the kind of practical uh, Thanksgiving cooking advice you get from Same Old Song. And until You we... can imitate me in that. That's right. <laughs> and uh, get ready for Advent. She be coming. Um, but thanks. Jake, take it easy. Yeah. You too. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but... Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.